Oh. Oh, she's a beauty. Which one's that? The USS Voyager. She made her name farther out than any of those other relics had ever gone. I was reborn there. She was my home. Her crew were my family. And now You're just trying to find another. We all long for connection. We're all just a little bit alone, aren't we? Stars in the same galaxy, but light years between us. Oh, you are definitely your father's son. He, too, has a knack for the um, poetic drive-by observation. It can be very annoying, but it can also make a person feel seen. I'm your host, Notch Carnegie. With me, reminiscing about the USS Voyager is... Emily Bowen-Marler. Welcome to Strange New Takes. Today, we will be sharing a recap of Picard Season 3, Episode 6, The Bounty. Make sure to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on all your favorite social media outlets. Tell your friends about our podcast as well. We really appreciate getting some ratings into our... Apple Podcasts, for example, because it really helps us appear a little bit higher in lists when someone is searching for a Star Trek podcast to listen to. Also, just want to make sure you know we're going to be spoiling episodes of, or we'll be spoiling this episode of Picard, but, you know, with all the Easter eggs they throw in, then we'll be spoiling episodes of Star Trek, like, forever. So, you know, just know no, that no, no, going no, in. Policy change, no talking about Star Trek The Next Generation <laughs> as we review this episode. I'm sorry. Like, we, we'll just have to roll with it now. That would be interesting to see. How we, I just won't speak the whole Right. Uh, there were some people who did a few things. Uh, okay, anyway. All right. Well, as, as Emily mentioned before, we're going to be talking about the sixth episode of the third season of Star Trek Picard. It's called The Bounty. It was written by Christopher Monfett. It was directed by Dan Liu. The end universe date is 2401. We don't get a star date. And the summary for Memory Alpha says, Now on the run, Picard. And by the way, when it says now on the run in this <laughs> in this thing, that could be the giant run-on sentence I'm about to read, much like the other episode <laughs> summaries. Okay. Now on the run, Picard and the skeleton crew of the USS Titan must break into Starfleet's most top-secret facility to explode a plot that could destroy the Federation. Picard must turn the, to the only soul in the galaxy who can help, an old friend. All right, we always start with our strange new takes. Emily, do you have a strange new take for me? It's so nice. The sun has come out. And so we haven't had the crazy, crazy cold weather. We had nice weather at the beginning of the week. And then it's just been raining. And then the rain got progressively colder. And cold rain just stinks. But mm -hmm. um, so we had that. But now it's sunny outside. So I had to give... I've been looking forward to mowing. My dad came and sharpened the blade for our lawnmower. So I was going to go mow. But I had to give Travis the talk 
don't you dare go out there and mow the best parts of the yard before I get out there to do it because I've been looking forward to it because we both like mowing. I really like mowing though. So I really don't like using the weed eater though. So Mm. I'd much rather do the mowing. So hopefully the good parts will still be available for me to mow when I'm done with this podcast. That's my strange new take in life. I know it's exciting. This is home ownership for y'all if you haven't gotten there. Um, My strange new take for this episode was this was the most TNG episode of the season so far. Like as far as just the structure of it and it just felt like you could have dropped this episode into one of the seasons of The Next Generation. I mean, obviously there were other factors that made it a little different than TNG, but it just really had that feel, the structure of it. Um, There were certain hallmarks of classic TNG episodes that were in this episode, so. Yeah. That's good. I'm going to go in the same direction, I think, with with my strange joke. Before that, let me just uh, say that it used to be that when I was younger and I missed a whole bunch of sleep because I was pulling on an all-nighter to cram for some exam or something, I would get to a Saturday, sleep for like 15 hours, and it would just be like all caught up, right? Like it just, everything's new. Uh, that no longer works. Mm-hmm. I had missed a lot of sleep this week and only managed to get nine hours last night. I woke up and be like, what the heck? Like, I was not supposed to be awake until noon. Welcome How did this happen? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So You miss sleep, you don't get, you just can't catch it up. Like, there's no way to make it up. <laughs> it's it's just gone now. Uh, uh, the body's like, haha, sucks to suck. Well, anyway, here we are. <laughs> With this episode, I think this is maybe the clearest example for me of the power of the content and how much we want to see it overcoming some pretty fundamental issues with the direction and and some of the more technical aspects of the episode. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, you, 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 I, I was somewhat conflicted. I'm going to go with the more positive spin here because I think it is just a happy episode. So let's not get yeah. involved in like nitpicking right uh, but but just know that that was like as i was seeing this I was, I was thinking about some other episodes of star trek where the other side has been true where the content and the 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 writing just sucks but the direction and the technical aspects of the episode are really great and and how we sometimes skewer those so anyway uh let's let's get into it we open this week with vatic fuming and somehow the the shrike has escaped from the nebula getting an asteroid chucked at it wasn't enough to take it out of commission and it turns out changelings now harm each other they are no longer averse to it used to be in ds9 that changelings it was never a changeling had never harmed another odo started something apparently because it wasn't odo the first one that Mm -hmm. killed a changeling yeah Mm -hmm. Mm. so and, and we do get some background here later when they're talking about the Dominion War. This episode has a ton of exposition as well to catch up those mm-hmm. of us who have not watched all of Star Trek to this point. And there's this piece about how in the Dominion, it was won by introducing a virus into the, the Great Link. The Great Link was then given a cure, but this action is what is hypothesized to have radicalized this like group of of rebels in the Changeling world. And it turns out that they now have no compunctions about killing one another, as one of Vatic's minions demonstrates. I have to say, I took a little bit of issue with Worf describing it as Starfleet giving the changelings the cure, um, because it was not Starfleet. Like, Starfleet's the one that gave them the um, the disease to begin with. It was Bashir who gave them. I mean, you know, and he did that mm-hmm. basically against Starfleet's express wishes, 
Um, and then Odo is the one that gave them the cure. So I just thought that's pretty generous to give that credit to Starfleet. <laughs> Worf is a propagandist. Uh, he's covering up the truth. Well, um, we, we also see that the Titan is now on a cat and mouse thing, which is kind of a theme throughout this episode. They're mm -hmm. dropping transponders. Vatic and the rest of Starfleet are beaming in to try and catch them. And then they zoom somewhere else. Did you find it confusing that it looked like they were behind an asteroid or a, you know, rock or something, and then they would show this other, um, like, and it didn't show them moving around the asteroid, but all of a sudden it looks like they're totally exposed and the ships are coming toward them. Anyway, and it, they did that a couple times, and we were confused. We're like, why would they just show, like, and when they came back, they just came back, like, in full view without having the cloak on. I was like, what are you doing? You're like, hey, we're here. Oh, look, we're going to engage our cloak where all of you can see it happening right in front of you. It was strange. There was a little bit of, like, in this episode of, like, again, just, we have to be really dumb to bring the viewers along. Um, <laughs> so, like, for example, the reason probably that they showed the ship beaming in in full view and then cloaking is a there was something for the viewer to like understand that they like the ship had arrived. Like if they just turned mm. up cloaked, it's possible that some viewers might have been like, "Did they actually beam in?" Like, yeah. so it's it's again, it's like it's like Brent Spiner at the end saying, "I am lore, I am before," and it's <laughs> yeah. like, "Oh, he's he's changing characters, people. Do you notice <laughs> this happening now?" Um, Apparently, if you haven't noticed it, you did not watch episodes of Next Generation where, you know, the clear distinction in how he plays those characters. He didn't need to tell us who he was. It was so obvious when he became Lore, but yeah. And, and this is, this is again, where I say that this episode mm -hmm. has some technical flaws, mm -hmm. which I don't want to hold against it because right. the content was so damn good. Yeah, no, it, it was a good episode. And, you know, it's also the episode, I think, in some ways suffers from following two exemplary episodes. Mm. Um, and so that just, uh, yeah, anyway, so I, th I think it was really, it was really hard. Adam was a little worried, I think, after this episode. He's like, oh, I'm worried that this is a sign of what's going to come <laughs> with the rest of, not that he thought the episode was bad. He just, it just wasn't, it, you know, he also didn't feel like it was as good as the last couple. Um, but I was like, no, no, I'm going to have faith. It's going to be my faith of the heart. It's going to be good that they're going to make it through. And um, I, I didn't feel like any it. fear. So, so, so let me let me do my like top line review, which okay. I would usually do at the end. Let me let me just put in my couple of cents here, which is I think this was set up. This was a set up. Episode, totally. Right. We had to mm -hmm. get the crew back together. The last four episodes have been kind of this like little encapsulated story in the nebula mm -hmm. now we have to like move the narrative along bring like the entire this is the first episode by the way that has the entire tng cast yep. since nemesis yep and so we have to bring them all along and back into the fold and and we gotta we gotta get somewhere so that the next few episodes we can actually have some action that that gives us a more satisfying ending Right. So, well, and, you know, they had um, I, I mean, I, I felt like this episode, it, it functioned very similarly to the first episode of the season. Um, and so that's that I kind of forgave it in some ways or I, I wasn't I didn't walk away from the episode going, oh, that wasn't that great because I totally recognized what the function of the episode was. And it also makes sense why they had six episodes that went out as the screeners um, for people, because that it carries people through the first part of the story to the point where the whole TNG cast is now, we know where they all are. They're all accounted for, you know, so. 
and and let, let me put it also this way, right? Like in a in a fifteen episode season, the Jordy arc, the Jordy family arc is one episode. Mm-hmm. The Riker, Worf, Raffi, Daystrom Station arc is another episode. Mm-hmm. And so there there is a little bit of probably well, where do we want to spend our time? Mm-hmm. And so they probably crunched a this stuff into a single script that's that's my other major criticism of this episode is the pacing is just like all over the place and that's okay again i i am okay with that because we got some moments here which really made me tear up and Mm -hmm. i and and so pretty iconic stuff the other thing that i think is a little again i think this is this comes down to what kind of trekkie you are Mm-hmm. is that this was chock full of fan service right like it was mm-hmm. full of fan service this oh, entire yeah. like and not even like subtle like oh no <laughs> kirk's dead body is at daystrom station the fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah what <laughs> well and all the all the starships and jack knowing the starships and being the one to call some of them out and um knowing the stories behind it although you know travis and i were talking about that today or yesterday you know, we know about things that have happened 80 years or 100 years in our past, you know, like yeah. big events that have happened. So it would make sense that that people who are connected to Starfleet are going to know about, you know, those big events. So, yeah. And, and I think that's that's a key point, right? Like all of our main cast of characters are people who have been deeply entrenched in this institution they're not like randos on Metal. Like we're not talking to a drug addict on Metalis Prime mm-hmm. about like who James T. Kirk is. If you talk to a U.S. Marine, for example, they know who Smedley Butler is. Smedley Butler was a Marine who served in like World War II and was like a legendary Marine. And like there are stories of that dude being passed mm-hmm. around in within the institution. So it makes sense that, you know, this guy who like saved the whales, like met God. <laughs> <laughs> would would like be like known right like there would there would be some like legends about this dude so it, it makes sense you know also like when you've had like seven enterprises or whatever it is mm-hmm. someone's gonna be like why do they keep naming the ship enterprise like there must be some significant and that you know the story is passed down so like right i'll give it to him you know right right well and it was nice to see seven because like seven's been so disconnected from voyager um, in Picard. And so it was nice to kind of see, I mean, she's had a couple of, she's dropped Admiral Janeway's name a couple of times, but it was just kind of nice to see that she feels a fondness for that time on the ship. And so I, I appreciated that. I was like, uh, yeah, no, that's the moment where I Did teared up. And, yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Like it uh. was, you know, I just took me back to being a little kid watching Voyager with seven. And yeah. Yeah. And she says that it was my home. I was just like, yes. uh, God, like it was, it was, it was real touching. And, um, there was some social media between Kate Mulgrew and Jerry Ryan about it. There was some other posts where someone edited a few Voyager clips into that moment. And it's just, oof, it's, it's heavy. And like, it makes me, it just reminded me how much we need some, something more with Voyager, the Voyager crew. Yeah. Um, there are some unfinished, there's unfinished business there that we need to attend to. And I hope. I hope we can attend yeah. to it. I mean, there'll be a little bit with Prodigy. Um, I don't know what more, you know, I don't know what direction they're going to go, but clearly, yeah. I mean, they're, they're um, pulling at the Chakotay Janeway kind of, you know, teasing that out more. And yeah, um, I um, have to say, I'm really liking Jack Crusher. 
I don't know if you've been feeling that way, but I just, every episode, I like him more. And I, oh, we, I feel like we need to talk about that his visions are just Eromotic syndrome. Like, I is think that, uh, that can't be, that's gotta be a red herring. Like <laughs> there's something else going on. No, but, I'm sure, I'm sure that that is a good explanation. Like, I'm sure that that'll play into it, but I yeah, would be surprised if that's, that's it. it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like at that point, I'd be like, why did you spend like many minutes of the show on this topic in the first four episodes? You know, like, right. there's just a little too much of a focus. Well, and I don't think aromatic syndrome turns you into Jason Bourne, right? Like, I, I don't think that's one of the side effects or the symptoms. <laughs> like, aromatic yeah. syndrome, no, no, blinding no. You, headaches, uh, you know, hallucinations, becoming Jason Bourne. <laughs> so. you, you know, when Beverly was reading off that list of things that Picard had done, and there were a few yeah. things that we hadn't seen. Well, what we didn't also see is Picard becoming Jason Bourne between yeah. every episode of TNG. That's right. Like, that's right. Like, on the adventures we didn't see, he was just, like, personally kicking ass every five minutes. But then I also, I don't know about you, I felt sad for Jack that this aromatic syndrome wasn't something that really played a role in Picard's life until he was an older man. And here Jack's having it affect his life. It sounds like when he was a child, you know, anyway, I'm just like, that's sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a little, uh, it's, it remains to be seen in my book what this right. turns into. I think it's, yeah. it's a little early to, to know yeah. for sure. For sure. It uh, seemed too too neat for yeah. it to just be that. And, and there were some theories. So I made some posts last week and I talked about it on a podcast about yeah. how like he, it, to me. I listened. There was no eye rolling in the last episode on my okay. part, by the way. I'm Good glad. I, I felt bad that I was talking about some of this stuff without you there. But like <laughs> I was, I, 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 uh, I still like, you know, uh, I'm glad it didn't cause a strong reaction. The other <laughs> thing though, I'll say is that I, I think it's, so someone else posted in a reply to one of my posts that, uh-huh. Maybe Jack visited one of the, the fire caves and freed a power eight. Like mm-hmm. he's kind of a, you know, Han Solo type, right? And that's what Han Solo yeah. would do. Like visit some freaking cave you're told not to go into and like break something. Well, and there's just so much Deep Space Nine lore that's in Picard that it just, right. I don't know. I just feel like it would be an easy, it, it doesn't seem outside of the realm of possibility that that could be. I thought it was a good theory. Yeah. Well, let's also get, quickly keep moving as we're as we're talking about the setup where Worf and Raffi are now on the ship. Turns mm-hmm. out Raffi and Seven are no longer together. And what a great job portraying an awkward but amicable bro- mm-hmm. break post breakup relationship. Like mm-hmm. there were no words that were needed to understand mm-hmm. that Raffi and where Raffi and Seven's relationship is. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, it's just nice to see everyone in the Starfleet uniform and all happy mm-hmm. and not like. Mm-hmm. You know, in like druggy attire on Metallus Prime, <laughs> uh, it's like Raffi looks like she's got her shit together mm-hmm. in a way that she didn't in the last two seasons. I think, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which yeah, again, sure. I think this this character development with the writers and the the scene design helped. Like, it brought us along for the ride. Mm-hmm. We didn't need to have like a exposition moment about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. They've done a lot. There's been a lot of um, while they sometimes have heavy-handed easter eggs that they're just like or fan service you know like hey look at this thing from tng or where not just tng from other things too um they have also done a good job with subtlety i think with some of the character moments um those have been that's just shown what an incredible cast they have um so just this has been some of the best acting i've seen um it's just been so good (laughs) 
I'm not going to go into detail here. I'm going to keep things a little ambiguous because I don't want to hate on stuff. And God. Hey. <laughs> but I will just say that this episode also had an illustration of the difference that an act, like the true difference that an actor can make when they are a phenomenal actor versus a okay actor. Mm. And we got to see that like it, it, it's a difference between someone saying lines versus someone living that character. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'll just leave it at that because I really don't want to be mean uh, and, and put it there. But I think it's we, we to your point, we have an incredible cast here. It also illustrated just how good the freaking TNG cast were. Like, LeVar Burton, like, you yeah. felt every single line he was saying. Uh, Worf and Riker with their, like, banter. And Worf being like, or Riker being like, dude, you're not you're not pushing back. Like, right. what the heck? Right. No, it's you, incredible. They have allowed the TNG cast outside of Patrick Stewart to shine in a way that they never were really given in TNG, they, I mean, they were given their moments, but they're all just getting such good stuff in these few episodes. Um, and, and I'm and I'm hoping that Deanna will get some of that, too. She I mean, but she had great stuff that they gave her in the first season of Picard. So um, so we're just getting to see, I feel, a level of um, acting and performance from these actors that we we just didn't get to see. Aside from Patrick Stewart, we got to see that with Patrick Stewart more in TNG than the others, I think. But with, with how much fan service we're getting, though, I'll be really pissed if we at least don't get one Deanna. I'm sensing <laughs> anger. Like, like, I need that once. Just once. Um, and while we're on acting, let's just also talk about Brent Spiner being able to switch through three characters in the space of three seconds. Like, yeah, it was incredible. Um, and it was just wild to mm -hmm. see that play out oh yeah oh. and his his data was so good like it was i don't know it was so nice to see data again because we haven't seen i mean i guess we got a little bit of data in the first season but it was just we've seen him playing everyone but data mostly yeah. um and so it was just like i don't know it just felt comforting <laughs> to have yeah. him to have data come and and him and jordy i just was like oh they're besties. I love it. <laughs> you know, so. so we're going out of order, but I think we need to I tackle know, the sorry. elephant in the room. We need to tackle <laughs> the elephant in the room, which is, is in some ways, this is the third Star Wars sequel, right? Like they have to deal with the decisions that were made in the other two. Mm -hmm. And it's not a consistent writing process. It's you mean the same Star way. Wars or Star Trek? I said Star Trek. Oh, you said Star Wars. Star Wars. You, yeah, oh, Star so War you do mean Star Wars. Okay. The I was sequels, just making sure. right? The, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the sequel trilogy. Yes. And it's the same way with Discovery season one, two, three, right? Like they yeah. have to, Discovery had to put up with whatever the writers had put into the show in season one and two. Right. And we have to deal with the Gollum. We have to deal with data being given yep. the death in season one. We have to deal with everything that happened with Alton Soong. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe this is where maybe Bo, I was almost said Bo, but that's you too. Adams. <laughs> Uh, heartburn probably comes from is having those elements reintroduced into our show. Uh -huh. And I don't think there's a way around it. I don't think you can get a TNG reunion without data. And I was like, mm -hmm. this was one of my major like things. Like, he's freaking dead. How do they have these others right. and they don't bring him back? Like, that's not going to work. 
Uh, and so for me, it's just like, guys, I know it's awkward. I know it kind of sucks and is weird, but like, just look, just deal with it. Yeah, like, we, like, it has on. to happen. It has to yeah, happen. We, and I think this is a clever way to do it. So, yeah, I mean, and, and there's a, the fact that, I mean, at the, we know data downloaded all of his stuff into B4. So we know that while there may be some, you know, of the spark missing or whatever, we, we know that happened. And so it's not like they're just making up something wholesale in order to get us to this point. There were some seeds planted that can help. And, and do you, at the end of the day, want to be happy to see data hang out <laughs> with Picard and Jordy? Right. Or do you want to be like, uh, but in episode four of season one, this happened. And that's why I can no longer believe, you know, like you, you, we you don't want to be that person. <laughs> you can choose to live that life. And, 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 and as, as, uh, Elnor would, would say it's choose peace or whatever, you know, like just, <laughs> just like, just, just choose to be happy yeah. and, and enjoy, enjoy the moment. And yep. I, I think, with this episode again, I think it's the same way we can we can choose to just enjoy the fact that we got like a encounter at Farpoint video clip, mm-hmm. or we can choose to talk about how it was like kind of out of the blue. I freaking loved it, and I, yeah. I like when I saw old Riker like or young Riker yeah. like stepping on. I when when you see the foot first, yes. I was just like, oh my god, yeah. are you kidding me? Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and it was, um, oh, but I, can I, can I say my one little gripe from the whole, um, pop goes the weasel things? First of all, I don't understand the random notes that they were picking. Um, they did not reveal to me that they were going to be doing, I figured it was leading to pop goes the weasel, but those were not the notes that he was calling out. So that was weird. But also why was Riker's whistle a different key than that? That also bugged me. Like they had this Mm. whole, they had everything, all the music was happening in this key And then he whistled something that was totally not the key. I was like, Riker, you're listening to the music. Like, like you should be whistling it in the same key that the, like, why did you change the key? I don't understand. And maybe there was a good explanation for that, but I did not understand why he whistled. Well, you see Riker (laughs) suffers from erobotic syndrome, which (laughs) hinders his, no, anyway. Um, But it also helped make sense because I was a little worried about, I'm like, how on, how in the heck is Moriarty going to be in I mean, he's like, how is he going to be in this show? And this was a good explanation for why he was in this I wonder if they were forced to reveal that he was going to be in here just because someone like found out or something, Mm. because otherwise it would have been good for this. This should have been a surprise. Like it really was like this small of a character moment, like of a callback like this. I think it it would have been more powerful if it had been like Roland. Yeah. Like what? Uh, And and so. But. The other, so just one other thing I think that we need to tackle as an elephant in the room before we talk about the rest <laughs> of this episode is Vadic stealing Picard's body. Yeah. Um, but not Kirk's body. That no, was in a, no. So did you know that was in a book? I haven't read it, but Adam has told me how terrible the book is. There's a book that William Shatner wrote. I don't know if it's called The Return or something, but it's basically like the Borg reanimate Kirk's body after generations. <laughs> <laughs> like they go and get his body off of that planet or whatever where Picard buried it. And I don't know. I don't know the story. I haven't read it because that's of right. the stuff Adam told me. <laughs> so like, some section 31 this. guy had to go to that like nice, like memorial Picard created and like take it apart. And like, it's a little weird. Yeah. A little weird yeah. section 31. Yeah. Um, anyway, but yeah, so now it's, it's just interesting that they have both Kirk's body and Picard's body at Daystrom. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so Vatic has Picard's body. Adam has a theory about what they're going to do. I don't, and actually Travis kind of had this theory too. I don't know if you want me to share yeah, what the theory ahead. is. Yeah, they're no, going to no, turn no. him back so. into Locutus. That's, that's what I've read online as well. Yeah. So, yeah. and I don't, I mean, I, and the thing is, I'm not theorizing too much as I'm watching it because I'm just going along for the ride and I don't want to figure out too much, you know, but I can't help but have like some theorizing as I'm watching, but I mean, for me, it's like it's it's okay to if they if they decide to go with the Borg. I, I think we we it would be nice to get like some closure on the Borg in some way. As long as we, I don't know, this whole again, it kind of depends on how far they go into like the Borgati thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and then the Borg would have been like a major thing in all three seasons, which is interesting. Like you know, yeah. I mean, that was yeah. Anyway, I find that interesting. Yeah, um, but I, I I will I will express some mild like mm, where are we going here about this whole Picard body thing, but again I think it's it's something that season one gave them and mm-hmm. they have to work with it so let's see what happens. Um, yeah. And and it would be kind of interesting to have, I mean this is the one great moment of Picard's life right like where he opposed Starfleet and now it would be funny for him to deal with the consequences not funny but like poignant for him to deal with that same moment himself where he has to fight himself in some mm-hmm, ways mm-hmm. and experience what people experienced on the other side like Shaw for example mm-hmm. yeah no I mean it can I could see it being pretty uh poignant um and it would it and I mean and it and it it is the only I really feel it it is the only explanation for how Picard's body could be the most dangerous weapon that is being held at Daystrom Station. Like I just, how else could his body be such a d- dangerous weapon? You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's all a little little like we got to wait to find out mm-hmm. before we can truly judge whether this was all a good idea. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, let's, let's go through a couple of other pieces of the plot before we, before we wrap up. Cause I think that's, that's kind of where this conversation was headed. Otherwise we, so we pick up Jordy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we haven't even talked about that. Yeah. So, or so, about Vatic totally being a changeling, like no doubt. Yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah, that is, that's, yeah, anyway. I mean, that's, I think, is basic. Yeah. I mean, Riker, so before we pick up Jordy, the Riker, Rafi, and Worf go down mm-hmm. to the planet. Worf gets some very nice comedy lines in this whole episode where he's like, well, it is in battle with your lover. And Raph Seven's like, I'm not coming. And then he's like, oh, thank God, that was a big relief. Yeah. I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. And then to watch, like, Riker also, like, needle Worf, and Worf is like, yeah. oh, I'm a pacifist now. Like, after Great, he's, like, cut die. heads off. Yeah. <laughs> what is what is this world or whatever Riker I can't remember exactly it's just yeah. hilarious yeah <laughs> well also we get the the scene where they're walking down the hall of curiosities in section 31 because apparently mm-hmm. like which again don't think too hard about the fact that we have a research station that's dimly lit and like has all these dangerous objects just right there yeah uh, <laughs> the attack trouble <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was more so so Riker could just needle wharf a little more too <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we see the Genesis device yep that was cool mm-hmm. we got Kirk's body of course as we mentioned before did you see anything any other objects we need to I don't 
there isn't anything else that comes to mind. I, I mean, think that, that was it. Yeah. So then these guys have to zoom away to to go meet Jordy at the Fleet Museum, where we finally get all the ships that we were talking about. And then Jordy beams aboard with his other daughter, Alhambra, played by Mika Burden, uh, LeVar Burton's daughter. And it turns out Jordy and Sydney are not close. And that was, I thought that was like a neat little dynamic mm-hmm. that they explored that added some tension in this episode. Mm-hmm. And also I liked that, but the sisters were like unshakably bonded. Like, you know, yes. it was like they, they got each other's back. Like, even though there was tension between, um, between Jordy and his daughter, it wasn't, you know, Alondra didn't pick that up and carry that torch also, you know, she was going to. Yeah back you know have her sisters back so i liked that i thought that was a good and it was i I think it was kind of nice to have like the way that they framed it which is like i wanted to fly the things that you created that was really Mm -hmm. cool it was it was sweet i thought so too um i think i think it added a lot to sydney's character in this Mm -hmm. episode and and so I'm, i'm glad and and also again we return to this theme of whether we can keep our loved ones safe while living the life that we want to live, mm-hmm. which is the same thing Picard was dealing with and Beverly was dealing with. Mm-hmm. And now Jordy has to deal with it. Riker was dealing with it as well. So it looks like that's the the overriding theme when we look at like what has happened to our favorite characters' lives that when they, as they've got older, they can't just live their swashbuckling past anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I I like that as a as a theme. Like I think that's a really interesting thing to explore. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, did you watch the Ready Room? Uh, I did not. Oh, because I cried all through the Ready Room. I didn't cry in the episode, but man, I cried in the Ready Room. <laughs> what did they like, What did they have in there? It was um, it was Lavar Burton and Mika Burton, and then also Ashley. Um, I can't remember what her last name is. Anyway, the the actor who plays uh, Sydney. So they had the three of them. And it was just kind of cool seeing them. But also just, you know, you could just see how, uh, I mean, they all were getting emotional. And actually, I watched The Ready Room for two weeks in a row. And that one was emotional, too. It was with Michael Dorn and Michelle Hurd. Mm. Um, and Michelle Hurd talking about, she's like, it's so... Because they were, t- uh, Will Wheaton brought up the fact that, you know, this is this show that Michelle Hurd's been on is coming to an end. Like, she's mm-hmm. not going to get to play this character anymore. I mean, obviously, it's that way for everybody, but she's just had these few years to do this. And she said, Yeah, it's so. She goes, You all have been doing this for decades. I've gotten mm. 30 episodes. 30 episodes is it. And so, but then both of them, both Will and um, Michael Dorn, were saying, but you're part of the family forever from now on. Like, it doesn't matter that it was just 30 episodes. Like, you are now, you're totally forevermore part of Star Trek. And so that was really sweet and emotional. And then, um, but LeVar Burton hearing, I think it was because Mika's an only child. And she was talking about like, no, she's my sister now. Like, they invited her over for Thanksgiving. Um, and so she had Thanksgiving dinner with the Burtons. And funny. so that was just kind of sweet. And it was just, my brother says, LeVar Burton's just so wholesome. <laughs> like You could just see he was just a proud papa and just really excited yeah. to, he went to work early. He didn't have to be at work as early as Mika did, but he went early just because he wanted to savor all the time that he had, you know, doing the show with her. And, and she yeah. was raised on Star Trek, you know, I mean, she was born in while the show was on originally. Mm-hmm. So but it's just cool. No, totally, totally. And I think I think it's it's a really meaningful thing that we're getting here, both in terms of for the both for the fans, but also the cost, like you're saying, mm-hmm. like, it's, it's this is a this is 
everybody needed this in some ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's how I felt with this episode as well. We needed <laughs> to see how Seven of Nine felt about Voyager. Right, we needed right. to to kind of I think I think in a larger sense we needed to find out that the Star Wars Star Trek universe cares as much about the ships and the lore and the little in jokes as much as we do. Like it's kind of like <laughs> lower decks come to real life, right? Right. Like, right. like this is this is this is like like this is the world that Mariner lives in. Like this, you know. Yeah. This just reminded me. I did you love Shaw geeking out as much as I did? Like yeah. it was hilarious and so adorable and like he could care less about Picard and Riker but he's like oh Jordy oh my gosh I can't, would, I can't believe be? I'm meeting you in the flesh and Jordy's response like you know under ordinary circumstances I would love to geek out with you over the yeah, exactly. of this ship yeah, I just thought that was a really great moment too. I, I'm just I'm just sad that Shaw wasn't like you know I went to Jordy LaForge high school <laughs> yes, there was a statue of you great. right over there that would have been fantastic <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh anyway, well so we 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 have Jack, by the way, one of the things that we haven't touched on. Jack and Sydney seem to be yeah. uh, getting eyes for each other, which yeah. I am here for. Yeah, uh, no, I think it's good. I liked it. I thought it was sweet. It's uh they and they're getting up not only do they have eyes for each other, they're getting up to hijinks together, stealing yep. the friggin' cloaking device from yep. the bounty, which you know, we're bringing in a little bit of TOS here. Uh-huh. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. It is. And what I also and before just like stay away from my daughter. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> uh it's incredible. Also, like Alandra also notices uh <laughs> they're having a few moments so yep. i think by the end of this show we're gonna find out a little bit more about this one it seems like yeah. um and i i think the the moment i wasn't expecting in this episode is watching Riker get caught mm-hmm. um like i in the many ways this episode is bringing everyone together mm-hmm. but then we have one of our group now getting stranded away from everybody else and And I just you know I'm so um I guess we don't usually know what the villain's motivation is until later you know but I'm so like what is her motivation like what is driving her to do this like what is the what is the thing that's I mean she's pretty freaking scary so what is this thing that's even scarier than her Mm -hmm. that's um giving her the commands. Um, and also, I mean, pretty scary when she was talking about, you know, we're going to find the things that make, um, you know, that are going to really bring them pain, you know? And so I guess I shouldn't have been surprised that she had Deanna there at the end, but, um, I just don't I, want them to freaking hurt Laris. Like as long as Laris makes it out alive, like <laughs> she should be safe. She's far away. <laughs> so, I don't know. She's at that bar somewhere, right? Just waiting. Yeah, just for waiting. Him. <laughs> but um, so but the thing that I'm a little interested slash confused about. So it seemed initially that all of this was about Jack Crusher and getting Jack Crusher. That does not seem to be the case anymore. It seems to be about Picard. Like, Except if you have Picard's body and you want to reanimate it, you probably need some genetic material. And having okay. a direct relative is probably the... So that's why. Cause it, but maybe, it just right? made me... Because I found... Like, it, the thing I found interesting in the first few episodes 
was that it really actually didn't, you know, like she was always talking about, I needed to protect Jack from you, like from being your son, like that would just put him in the crosshairs. And they were making it feel like it actually didn't have anything to do with Picard necessarily. It was because of whatever things Jack had gotten up to. Um, And yeah, anyway, so it's just interesting. Vatic doesn't need the real Picard, right? Like she needs the fake Picard. And the fact that Picard is in this himself, like the the Gollum Picard is because he's just got pulled in. Like Mm -hmm. in the chain, what the changelings wanted was to capture Jack, maybe use some of his genetic material to reanimate Locutus Picard Mm -hmm. and then kind of roll with that. Uh, someone should tell them that there's probably some sh- bits of Shinzon flying around near the, <laughs> the remains of the Romulan homeworld, uh, and and they can use that. Uh, but uh, that's my theory, at least. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Also, we, we have to quickly, before I finish the episode here, make a reference to the fact that uh, Seven tells Jack that he's picked up Picard's propensity for drive-by observations. <laughs> it's equal parts irritating and endearing. <laughs> so Alex Kurtzman is going to soon, presumably in the first contact day a couple of weeks from now, reveal a few character-focused miniseries and movies. Oh. And watching Jack and Seven bond in this episode, mm-hmm. watching Sydney's character get fleshed out a little bit, mm-hmm. the sense I'm getting is that we're going to, like, they're setting this up as a crew. Yeah, right? that's kind of what I feel like, too. I'm I, I'm watching it, and I'm like, I am ready to see this next generation pick up from here. You know, like, and, and I know, so there are some people that are saying that, um, Picard ending and um, well I think Picard is ending because Patrick Stewart doesn't want to do more than three seasons but um, I don't know if that's true but that's just the feeling I've gotten um, and because they kind of we knew that was going to end a while back but with Discovery ending also there there was someone who was saying they think it's just because the people who are in charge of Paramount now are like dollars and cents bottom line and a Star Trek is expensive to make and so they just want to cut down on the number of series that are being made. Um, while there are others who, and I, I was thinking along these lines that I'm about to say that I, my thought was they were ending those series because they have new series they want to produce and they cannot produce more than the ones that are currently airing. Like they, they can't have more than that running. Yeah. And so that's why they're ending discovery is to make room for something else. And maybe we don't have to worry about section 31 anymore. And I don't know if we're going to get section 31. Michelle Yeoh is like a big ticket item. now. So. Well, but I mean, she, she was all, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, if she was all, Michelle Yeoh is always Michelle Yeoh. Like, yeah, it's true. And, She's and, amazing. And, and in fact, <laughs> in some ways you could argue that getting Michelle Yeoh on a Star Trek show now would be even more important. Right. That's true. That's true. So, I, I really think that it's also coming to a creative reset. Like, I wonder if some of this is also just that, like, the tone of these shows has changed so dramatically between the last three years, right? Like, mm-hmm. we, we've just, we've discovered a formula that seems to make things work a little bit better than we did in the, even the, even the first season of Lower Decks, like, the first season of Picard, Discovery. Like, there was just a very different feel to Star mm-hmm. Trek three, four years ago than there is today. And I think mm-hmm. you need to refresh that. I am not like concerned with series ending i like I, I think there is some of this economic uncertainty you're talking about like i don't know this, the industry enough to say one way or another with an informed perspective but like 
I think it's 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 probably a good thing to have fewer shows running at the same time. I would mm-hmm. have more quality than quantity personally. Right, for sure. As long as we have some Star Trek, it's okay to leave a few stories for the next generation of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to have like the Star Wars situation where we have like five hot thousand shows happening at the same time, like seven million books, and like you can't wrap your brain around the entire universe because they have like some new thing happening every five minutes. Um, so for me personally, I, I would be okay if they were like, look, we're going to focus on strange new worlds. We're going to focus on lower decks and we'll give you some like one-offs in between, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm with you. I really want to see the seven of nine show if for no other reason than Jerry Ryan's contribution to this franchise is freaking incredible. And we mm-hmm. need that Voyager closure, like I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but so let's, let's see, there's no way either of the two of us are going to, I mean, Unless you have Alex Kersman's phone number that con you went to a few weeks ago, you'd manage to be like, hey, Alex, got some ideas. <laughs> yeah, Doug Jones didn't pass that on to me, so. Ah, okay, oh, unfortunate. Well, <laughs> well um, let's see. Anything else that we need to talk about with this episode? I think we've touched on most of the major things. I think we have. Randomly and totally out of order, but yeah, I think we've touched on yes. all of them. Uh, well, also, so wasn't it, it, I did find it interesting. Jordy seemed so different. At first, which was just, you know, it's just interesting to to see them have Jordy portrayed. And I don't know, I, I just found him to be portrayed really differently than he always came across as more. I don't know. Although well, he Jordy, was always I think, young. Yes, yeah, true. That's he true. Was, he was always the youngster of the group, the more like adventurous one. He was always like, oh, yeah, let's do it. And now he's like, yo. Right push the brakes like pump the brakes yeah. like we need to we need to think about what we're doing yeah and you, you're yeah. really screwing with my family here yeah no that's true that's true that that was the vibe at least that i got and mm-hmm. i think i don't think we quite have the old jordy yet but that scene where he's like helping out with the cloak i think that got us a little bit bit of the way there yeah for sure so, I mean, I didn't really think they were going to leave this with him just leaving, <laughs> not somehow being part of, you know, I knew it had to end up there. But yeah, he, he couldn't just be in this one episode. Like, <laughs> um, Screw you. I have a family to protect. Bye. Yeah, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Our hails are going unanswered. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, um, I think that gets us to strange new ratings then. Let's uh, let's stick our necks out and give this episode a rating. Emily, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? What do you think? I'll go first. I'm going to give it a four out of five. I thought it was a good episode. I liked it. I think it was, um, it wasn't a phenomenal episode like the previous two episodes were for me. Um, but, uh, I actually, I think the episode, I think the previous three episodes were really, really great. Um, but I, I appreciate it for what it was doing. And I just feel like it was setting up the next stage of this season. So, okay, I am gonna go with an eight and a half hour ten, which kind of surprised me when I came up with it because I was like, I, I, you know, I was towing anywhere between a seven and an eight. You uh-huh. was where I was thinking, but like I think at the end of the day, it depends on what this episode is meant to do. Mm-hmm. If it's meant for setup, if it's meant for fan service, it did its job. Mm-hmm. If it's meant to stand alone on its own might. Uh, not so much Mm -mm, but that's mm -mm. not what it's trying to do Mm -mm, not at all this one was very much just sit down watch the the happy people hug each other and like reminisce like Mm -hmm. be nostalgic Mm -hmm. and at the end of this episode were we nostalgic yes did we reminisce 
Yes. Did we yeah. geek out about our favorite characters being back on the screen? Were they portrayed well? Did the, did the dialogue seem like it was just like old times or whatever? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so I, th- I think, I think it, it achieved its, its objectives and that was great. Yeah. Now I want to know if Rudy's liking it more. I don't know. We haven't gotten to hear him since. <laughs> He's suspiciously been busy. Quote I know. Unquote. I don't know. I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> I I want to know what Bill thought of this one. He's yeah. always been geeking out about TNG, but he he's mm-hmm. in he's visiting another. He's in Japan at the moment for the next few weeks, so we won't hear from him. I think until the end of Picard season three. So yeah, we'll it'll be interesting to find out what uh, what everyone's perspective is. Well, with that though, I'm glad to find out what your perspective on this was, Emily. So thank you for joining <laughs> me to discuss this episode this week. Yeah, thanks, Notch. It was fun. Of course. And Adam, Rudy, and Bill, wherever y'all are, whatever it is y'all are doing, I hope it's a great time. Thank you, dear listener, for making us a part of your week. We really appreciate having you um, uh, make the time to listen to the podcast. A couple of you have in the past two weeks reached out to me to let me know that you are enjoying the Picard episode specifically. So thank you. Really, really appreciate getting the feedback. And thank you just to Guha for recording our theme music as well. Now that we're hearing the the Klingon theme on the screen, now we appreciate your guitar strumming even more. Yes. And uh, special thanks this week to whoever is in charge of cleaning the like 700 decks of starships that are in the fleet museum. (laughs) Because you can't like, if you've talked to anyone who has to like maintain a boat that isn't being, you know, used... Like someone has to go in there and like fix the boat so that they don't like open up to the vacuum of space or whatever and the dust doesn't collect. So whoever the space janitors at the museum are, our hats off go off our hats go off to you. So special thanks. Alright everybody, see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.